Hey, howdy, all you hooty tooties and you disco cuties. All you cheesy cornballs and you <laughs> bullshit artists. It's the Weird Vibes Podcast. Coming at you live. We've talked about this. We're not live <laughs> at all. Like, not even a little bit. I feel pretty alive. I don't know what you're talking about. All right, then. Well, um, I'm pretty excited about today's episode. Um, this is sort of the reason. This we're is at- your podcast opus. It really is. It's this was kind of supposed to be our first episode. To be honest with you, um, <laughs> this is a long time coming. Today we're talking about one of my favorite movies, <laughs> probably ever. Cool, cool. Um, I wouldn't say it's controversial, but it's it's polarizing. It's polarizing is a really good word for it. So, um, I, I wanted it, and I got it. Today, we're talking about... It's gonna load, don't worry. <laughs> I think I'm the greasy strangler. I never said that. Tell you a secret. I am the greasy strangler. Hey, I call bullshit on that. <laughs> Yep, we're talking about The Greasy Strangler, (laughs) one of the greatest movies of all time. Take a seat, everybody. Warm your tushes and get ready, because we got some points for talking. Oh, don't worry. I've condensed my notes down (laughs) to a concise, really, really cluttered, manic-looking one page. Yeah, it's a a solid... I mean, in all fairness, it'd probably be two pages if, like... You took all the sidebars down, but you know, I totally understand what you're saying. <coughs> Excuse me. But yeah, this is a this is a weird movie. So, um, I know that you have a point that you want to start out, but one of the things that I remember that you mentioned that really surprised me was that it was that Elijah Wood's a producer on this. Yeah, Elijah Wood's totally the producer on this. <laughs> um, I was watching a bunch of videos of him online earlier today, him just describing this movie to different people, just on different press junkets or whatever. And one of the things he kept bringing up was how hard it was to describe, you know? Mm -hmm. It's one of those movies. Like, I feel like um, The Big Lebowski is kind of one of those movies to where there's so much going on, you almost lose the story in it. And you're like, wait, what? Oh, yeah, it's a dude getting his rug. The dude getting his rug. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, and so before we start, I really just want to read a quick synopsis off IMDb. Just so, so is, we can lay a groundwork of what this movie's about. This is the official summary of what this movie... The reason I'm saying it this way is because, like, this movie is a very artistic representation of what the synopsis is, and I think it's it's done really beautifully, but this is very specifically what the movie's supposed to be about. I don't know if this is what you walk away with the movie being about. Okay, so according to IMDb, Ronnie runs a disco walking tour with his son, Brayden. <laughs> When a sexy woman takes the tour, it begins a competition between father and son for her love. See, I told you it was a love triangle. Yeah, that's when I read that, I realized that you were, like, super on point. Either way. <laughs> it also signals the arrival of an oily strangler who stalks the streets at night. Which I don't like that they keep... I mean, I understand oil and grease are basically the same thing. But I don't like how often in this movie (laughs) that they use oily to describe the greasy strangler. Yeah, it makes it feel a little different. 
Especially once you see it and you realize that, like, none of this is oil. All of it is definitively grease and specifically grease. Yeah. <laughs> so, um... <laughs> so, the Greasy Strangler was made in 2016. Um, it was directed by Jim Hoskins, who, um... He actually did a segment in ABCs of Death 2, which I know we're both big fans of. Mm-hmm. I don't remember which segment he did specifically. Okay. But he's in that school of filmmaking. Okay. You know, just those weird guys. Um, it was written by, um, Toby Harvard... And, um, I don't, what, do you, do you just want to start with a quick, um, kind of character synopsis for the main people? Yeah, well, yeah, okay, so, um, I'm gonna pull it up as well, because I really want to talk, what is, is it Elizabeth DeRosso? Is that what her name yeah, is? Yeah, Elizabeth DeRosso, um, DeRosso plays DeRosso. Janet, okay. who is <laughs> by far, I love this movie, but she's one of my favorite characters in any movie Ever. So the reason she kills it in this movie. The reason I said that comment about the synopsis technically being about what you said versus what I took away from it is because to me, Janet stole the show. Like I know the love triangle is a big part of it, but to me, like I love the other characters. They're amazing. But anytime she was on screen, I was so ready for it. Oh, but she just, she yeah, she still, she owns any screen she's on. Yeah. And everybody, she's the, the thing she's probably most known from East is Eastbound and Down. Yeah. She's, um. Stevie's wife. Yeah, Stevie's wife. Which, <laughs> oh, she's so hilarious in that. She, she's amazing in this. I, the first picture that shows up for her on IMDb on, if you like go to her, um, actress pictures is it's of her just, it's like from Eastbound and Down. And I think it's when she's like. I don't remember what the context of the episode was, but she's just wearing like a bunch of chains and a jersey, and her hair is all braided. Oh and yeah, she's I saw just that. like the backwards scowling bat. at Stevie, and it's the funniest, especially knowing what her character is in the show. I just like, I don't know. It to me it highlights her ability to just like go into any role for comedy. And I know that you said that she actually like talked about that. That like body humor to her is just like one more tool. That like yeah, because the, the, there's a lot of nudity in this movie. Just <laughs> yeah. Up front. Um, there's a lot yeah. of male nudity. There's a lot of female nudity. Elizabeth DeRazzo, as you were saying, kills it. She uses her body for comedy, yeah. which you don't... It's I don't want to say, oh, it's so progressive, but you don't see a lot of women doing it. And it's really refreshing because female nudity can be fucking hilarious if it's done right. And I, I just think she's amazing. Um, I love Brayden. I love <laughs> their such a good character. relationship. So so anyway, Elizabeth Rosso or the character of Janet. Yeah. The movie opens up with her taking a disco tour. From Ronnie and Brayden. From Ronnie and Brayden. And they're a father and son who are a purveyor of a disco tour. Okay. And, and um, <laughs> I, you are led to believe throughout the movie that they're completely full of shit. Like, I don't think... That so, Ronnie has any real history with disco or the history of disco. I think he's making all of this up. Well, the stories on the disco tour are made, made up, but one of my notes was to ask you if he's a liar or not. So, Oh, Big Ronnie's totally a liar. Okay. So that... Okay, so first I wanted to... I didn't want to detract from that, but I just wanted to name the characters because we did name Elizabeth Durazo. But it's Sky... Is it Elobar or Elobar? It, uh, Sky Elobar. Okay. 
Who, played who plays Big Brayden. Brayden. Okay, why are No, there... you can't call him Big Brayden. He's not Big Brayden. Well, no, all of the characters... Okay, so Michael St. Michaels plays Big Ronnie. The reason I say that is because all of the top cast is... It says Big Ronnie, Big Brayden, and Big Paul. Yes, so... As, like Tana was saying, all of the men in this movie, for <laughs> some reason, are called Big. Okay. And... By the end of the movie, I think they're calling Brayden Big Brayden, but one of the big storylines is that he's kind of an eternal child. That's that's even one of my notes about oh, okay, Brayden okay. is that, oh, is he possibly a child? There's, <laughs> there's a lot of really weird, I don't want to get too ahead of ourselves, but there's a lot of yeah. really weird um, indications of him being a kid in the movie. I mean, obviously, he lives with his dad. He's... An actor in his late 30s, early 40s, something like that. Okay. Um, everybody else is eating highly greasy food. That's one of the premises of the movie. Yeah. Um, he's eating chocolate milk and Fruit Loops. Um, I never noticed that. I didn't even know that you... We didn't even talk... Well, I mean, yeah. Go ahead. He's, um... <laughs> he's also writing... I don't know if you noticed this... All of this crazy science fiction. But they're all sort of perverted. They all remind me of just really bizarre, like, just perverted young adult novels. Always make me feel like if it was like a preteen writing in the universe of Galaxy Quest. I could totally see that. That's kind of the vibe I I got from a lot of the stuff that he wrote, if that makes sense. Yeah, I totally, totally see that. Why. It another note I have written down. It it reminds me of kind of an an anti Diablo Cody, like it's it, almost an anti Juno movie. It's okay, just, okay. Because it there's oh, you're just right. like almost like saccharine cuteness, but like the like meh type of cuteness yeah. is totally inverted. It's it's. I don't even really know how to describe it. I'm just going in circles at this point, so I'll get no. back to the story. Yeah. So, um, Janet meets um, Big Ronnie and Brayden on the tour. I don't know if you noticed, one of the tour members was the doctor that the um, weed dealer in um, Grandma's Boy flies over to train his pet lion. Yeah, the Senegalese. He's actually the... F- other than the top build cast, he's the first person that shows up. Oh no them. way! Yeah, that's so cool. Good for I'm him. Looking. Um, What's his name? Well, I'm gonna butcher it, but I think it's Abdullahi Ngom. Ngom. Dude, he's a Sen- great comedic and, actor. <laughs> it's really honestly. funny because this is like this is technical. Okay, so there's the top build cast, and then it goes to all cast, and the first person on the all cast, so the the. The secondary cast, it's already with a lack of names. His his like title in this movie is Senegalese tourist. And then there's a Scandinavian tourist, the Indian tourist, the Oinker. Oh, that's their friend. And then a few vendors. Okay, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, so um, Oinker shows up a little bit later. He's seemingly... Is he a friend? He, yeah, he's seemingly Brayden's only friend. Okay. He, um... This movie's very surreal. He has what you think is supposed to be represented as a real pig's nose at first. He dresses like a pig. His name is Oinker. Obviously, again, this movie is extremely surreal. Yeah. Um, later, he loses that nose and some terrible things happen to him. But 
did, did they ever clarify whether he is part pig or dressed as a pig? Well, he's not. Okay, so here's the thing. I want to kind of preface this part by saying this because I feel like it explains a lot of the movie for me. This is definitely one of those movies that when you start watching it, that you are going to hate it if you don't, like, fully let go of the reality that you live in as, like, a modern person in 2018 in any part of the world. It doesn't matter where you live in the world. Just, like, it it, it doesn't... It's not this plane. It's not this... I don't feel like it's in this dimension because everything's just a little bit absurdist. Yeah. So I feel like you really do have to, like, kind of let go of reality, which made it for me as soon as I start doing that when I saw their that was one of the things on my notes was their matching outfits the color tones of their outfits the costume choices throughout this movie were unbelievable were absolutely incredible. unbelievable do you remember the uh, big Ronnie's um, jumpsuit where the mesh is just on his big giant prosthetic dick like, His dick is so, it's so ugly. It's disgusting. It's so big. It's you, so fake. It's so disgusting. You see it so much. That's another, it's not a problem I have with this movie, but it's definitely one of those things that like, as somebody who just like, I think you just don't see male nudity a lot. And this is just like, it's going out of its way to be very like openly and very humanly, like I would say borderline grotesque on purpose. So it's, it's a very aggressive dick. Is the only way that I it know. It is an aggressive dick. It's an dick. aggressive dick. But, but, but Ronnie's an aggressive person. Anyway, the matching outfits for me immediately. It's like the opening scene. They're doing a disco tour. Those outfits, they're wearing these like... Both him and... Both Ronnie and... Um, Brayden. Both Ronnie and Brayden are wearing... Uh, slightly different shades. I don't know if it's in the first scene they're wearing pink, but I know they're wearing matching yeah, outfits. Yes, the pink like... um, kind of baseball shirt and shorts. Yeah. Well, they're they made wear... of that really rough one. They almost look like carpets. Yes, yes. Oh, so, they look so uncomfortable. So they wear a lot of, another one of my notes is that they wear a lot of monochrome outfits where even if they don't match each other in the end scene that we were just watching, um, Ronnie is wearing a monochrome, like, marl, dark gray, whatever outfit. It's not even, like, it doesn't look like sweatsuit material. It's just, like, a weird gray color. And then Brayden, again, is wearing, like, a, a, a shade of pink or something. But they wear monochrome outfits where, like, the whole outfit is one color. So in the opening scene, as soon as I saw that and I saw the group of tourists and, like, who this group of tourists was supposed to be, you know when, like, you see a commercial that's, like, overly diverse where you can tell it's, like... It's part, it's obviously a group of actors because it's just like, they all happen to be the exact same age group, but they all happen to be like very different ethnicities and very different walks of life. And like in any world, yes, these people could have met and be like a group of friends that decided to do this together, but this is obviously a tour and this is obviously like a... This is just clearly like a different reality. A because group of, of really diverse character actors. Exactly. Very and they're all dressed. It's not just because they're all so like overtly, like overly diverse. It's the fact that they're all of their clothing is a little uncanny valley almost. Like everybody. They carry, there's a dream state. Everything in this movie. Absolutely. That is exactly what I I would have said that exactly. It's a suspended reality that you're existing in. Because everything, like, it's not that any of the characters were strange. It's that everybody was too willing for the weird to be the standard. And everybody's clothes were just, like, a little bit... They weren't outdated in any era. They were just weird for any era. Like, even even Elizabeth Durazo, when I talk about her, that wig... 
And okay, just sorry. Is it is it called a Birkin? A Merkin. A Merkin. Okay. Um, the Merkin and the wig. It looked like straw. <laughs> it looked like straw. <laughs> That's how they refer to her pubic hair. At the very end. But it, I don't think it looked like straw. It just looked like it was very obviously a wig. But anyway, she wears this like, I wouldn't say blood red. It's like somewhere between like a cherry red and like a Merlot red. It's this very interesting color. And I feel like even that wig is like this weird absurdist point. Well, okay, I think... You keep talking about the absurdism. I keep talking about the absurdism in this movie. I think we kind of need to start talking about our theories about this movie even before we um, keep going. Because, <laughs> because I, I don't... I think I'm going to start going into too many different tangents if I don't just okay, start sorry. saying what I think this movie represents. Okay, you lay know? it out. Lay it out. So... I think this might be a Fight Club scenario mm-hmm. in which I don't know if Brayden and Ronnie are different people. I know they're representatives, father and son, and we'll get into some more definitive reasons later, but I think to start looking at this movie more as a, um, what did I have written down? More as like kind of a metaphor for growing up. A metaphor for, like, the shame and fear of what it means to grow up, what it means to, like, be an adult, what it means to make decisions that aren't black and white. Damn, you got deep. No, I, I really, I think that, um, the conflict between Brayden and Ronnie really represents the conflict between childhood and adulthood. Okay. But, it, but in really, really destructive terms on both sides. All right. <laughs> this is such a weird moment to pick out. I think one of the most um one of the most blatant examples of that is when um Brayden and Oinker go out clubbing the first night. Uh-huh. And um, <laughs> they, they want to go out the second night, but Ron and there's no real reason. But obviously, Ronnie's been a tyrant. His food's never greasy enough. Mm-hmm. He uh, he wants to cuckold literally his sons to get his girlfriend just to establish power. I mean, you really you find out that he has feelings later, but it it really is a power move at first. No, honestly, it's not just his dick. He's just aggressive. Yeah, he every time, all the time. But. Sorry. But yeah, he comes out of his room for absolutely no reason and bans his adult son from going out two... What what does he say? Going out two nights in a row is not permitted unless I come with you. And then he goes on some weird tangent about creamy cocktails. Oh, the creamy cocktails. He just has such a, like subconscious homoerotic presence and I know that I'm not implying that. I know that that's part of the character and it's supposed to be there and it's supposed to be funny but it just it irks me in the exact way that it's supposed to. It's just like he the way he says creamy like he he just like he wraps his lips around the he just, R He's aggressively so, sexual. He's aggressively the sexual. The entire time. All the time. <laughs> all the time. So I believe it's when they um, finish this night, 
when um <laughs> when Ronnie goes to buy his hot dog. It's one of my favorite oh my moments of the entire movie. It really establishes him as who he is, like, overtly. I believe the Greasy Strangler has made a kill by this point. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know it's Big Ron. Uh, spoiler alert. Big Ron is oh the Greasy God. Strangler. It's pretty... That, I'm not spoiling anything for anybody. But, um... <laughs> Big Ronnie <laughs> orders a hot dog from a hot dog vendor. It's a deserted street in the middle of the night. He'll give it to him extra piquant, yeah? <laughs> and um, once he gets his hot dog, he becomes irate because irate. his hot dog wasn't dipped in the grease vat that the hot dog vendor carries. And <laughs> that's, that's just how Big Ronnie... He, he needs... He, he wants... He wants his hot dog to lubricate the world, he says. Ew. It's so disgusting. He wants it to be lubricated to go down his throat. The, the hot dog vendor explains to him that he could lose his license. I repeat, lose his license. He says re- lose his license several times. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, Ronnie ends up dunking his dog <laughs> and... Just really, really, really brutally murdering this poor hot dog Oh vendor. my god, spoiler alert, dude. Oh no, we're, oh, this is a totally spoiler alert podcast. Yeah, I will, okay, so I will just put it in the notes that this is just a complete, yeah. So at, at this point, um, I, I think this is the second time he goes, but there's a big, uh, a, re- a reoccurring plot point that Ronnie, after he... Covers himself in grease from head to toe, and if you if you haven't seen this movie, it's really a spectacle. He's <laughs> covered in grease. Oh, his big fake uncircumcised dick is flapping around in the wind, but kind of caked in one place because there's a bunch of weird grease. He goes to a uh, drive-through car wash all the time, and he <laughs> walks through that car wash. To wash all the grease off of him. and With that super abrasive music. Which, okay, so I also have another kind of a weird theory about this. Mm-hmm. Um, do you remember? What, oh, Big Paul. That's his name. Big Paul owns the car wash, right? And they keep, they always talk about how they always go disco dancing together. And they kind of just talk about an era gone by that it just... Really, um, Big Ronnie doesn't really exist in anymore. He's kind of become a hateful person, a mean person. But he cleans himself off, checks in with Big Paul, the owner of the car wash. Do you get the impression that they're friends for a long time? I don't think Big Paul is real either. Okay. I think Big Paul is Ronnie's conscience. <gasps> yeah, well, because the thing is, too, is like... Okay, yeah. I don't want to spoil any more. I mean, I know that we already spoiled, but... Yeah, I'm just going to go straight I do also, I do also see what you're saying, so I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I just wanted to ask about him, because I always got this impression that he was or wasn't a figment either of his imagination or of his conscience, so I'm glad that you said that, because it totally reinforces I mean, it. I don't... I mean, I think this movie, as surreal as it is, is about 
either an insane person or insane people. Okay. So I'm not sure you can take the narration seriously. Like, I'm not sure you can take the narration for fact because I, I don't, I'm not sure they're existing in, like, reality proper. Okay. You know, the, like, as we would know it. You know? Oh, okay. Well, that was another thing that I remember saying is that I don't think it's in this, that it's not in this universe technically, because it just seems like a little bit surreal, like we were talking about earlier. Well, I was thinking, too, <laughs> it's probably not it, but it could be kind of a Jacob's Ladder thing to uh-huh. where <laughs> it's, it's not that Ronnie or Brayden exist, but Brawny, just what, okay. it, it just Ronnie Brainy. or Brayden did actually eat a lot of grease in their life and they are dying and kind of having their life flash before them and this is maybe kind of a dream as they're dying brought on by the excessive amount of grease they were eating like i don't know i might be totally full of shit here i'm a bullshit artist i'm sorry bullshit artist Okay, so read me another one of your notes. Or what is it? Okay, so one of the other things that I remember wanting to talk about is that Ronnie is, throughout the entire movie, okay, so no, 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 before I get to that, I wanted to talk because you just talked about his his dick and his car wash and his, and his grease, right? So the grease, I was just noticing at the very, very end, just as like a movie factor, do you think the grease is actually just, like, a bunch of stuff piled on? Or do you think there's, like, a grease skin suit that they used for the effect? Because I noticed in one of the last shots that they kind of, he had this, like, thing around his neck that looked like he was wearing a whole suit that had the, like, grease stuff on it. From what I remember, I mean, they did different things in different shots, obviously. Okay. But for the really, just the full shot... I believe it was kind of a, like, long john type of thing. That's exactly what that it looked there like. There was rubber on. Okay. And then, like, Vaseline and what have you that just to makes... make it look yucky and disgusting. That's actually exactly what it looked like. That is absolutely perfect. Okay. So, <laughs> at this point in the movie, there's obviously been um, a conflict established between <laughs> Brayden and Ronnie the love triangle. Um, Ronnie's been... Well, that's what we're getting to. Oh, sorry. Um, oh, no problem. <laughs> Ro- um, Ronnie's obviously established that he is the greasy strangler. He is horribly abusive to Brendan. Bra- Brayden. I don't know why I keep saying Brendan. To Brayden. Um, at this point, he's murdered Oinker. And he actually has sex with his nose hole. This movie goes Are you serious? Oh, totally. That's in my notes. I had to write down, kills Oinker, fucks nose. That's something I wrote with a pen. Sam, why? Because it happened. God, why? Why didn't you give me a warning you were going to say that in a recording? I didn't. (laughs) Okay, so I don't, well, I get, oh, I remember that scene now. Okay. Yeah, it's terrible. Another thing, too, that I think might help me black out a lot of these scenes into one giant mess of a movie, not that I think this movie is a mess, like, it's, it's very abrasive, and as somebody who just, like, doesn't watch things that are super, like, 
intense or visceral like this that um, it definitely is. I would definitely call it visceral, but I don't ever want to give the impression that like I have a negative opinion of it because I actually really, really like this movie. It just does incite in me a lot of visceral reactions. Oh, it's a, it's a, the movie's abrasive. The movie itself, is abrasive. But purposefully. It's so a, I like, think... Like what we were wanted to talk about the, um, the, music. the music. That's what well. I was just going to say. There's that bum, 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 I think that that adds so much to the movie. I mean, I think it's incredible on its own, but without that music, I think it plays more as a Tim and Eric sketch. Exactly. You know, which, I mean, I love Tim and Eric. It's obviously inspired by Tim and Eric. It gave it sequencing. I don't know why, but I think adding anything that you put in throughout the entire thing, even something as simple as, like, a bridge or like a few chords of music or whatever, what have you, even just the idea of, um, uh, bullshit artists being like a phrase that they use throughout and the consistent story about Janet and the way that they went, Janet, they always used her name and went Janet. (laughs) So like a lot of those things that I think build up repetition in the same way that they work in like commercials and advertising campaigns, those kind of build this, like, sequential, like, habit that you have where this, like, becomes a universe that becomes familiar to you. So throughout the movie, they're using that super abrasive music. And I think one of the reasons I tuned out the fact that he literally does that to his nose hole, <laughs> that um, he it plays the music. I just remembered it plays the music through that scene. Yeah, that kind of circus, carnival. It's insane. It adds a sense of chaos, but a sense of levity. And but it also, also like, makes it almost like a carnival. Like for Oh, real. it's horrifying. Yeah. So... <laughs> I can't believe he does that to his nose. Yeah, I didn't remember that it did that until you brought it up right now. That's insane. Oh, it's terrible. Everybody needs to see this. Okay, movie. but that's the thing. For me, one of the things about that was it was it wasn't that it was sudden. It was kind of like the the onset of him becoming murderous, and then I felt like there was this like little spurt of deaths that happened really quickly. That I you just it's not that you don't expect them. It's that he doesn't. I feel like. I don't really understand what the catalyst for him getting upset and doing that is. Because I feel like there is one, or is there not one? I I mean, I think in the actual story, he's he's just the greasy strangler. Okay. That's just okay. who he is. In my weird-ass theories, I think it has something to do with the things you let go to become an adult, maybe. Or, um... I respect that. I don't know. I don't want to get too deep into it because I'll sound like a douche, but... No. <laughs> um, yeah, I I think that a, a lot of the violence and the anger he show that Big Ronnie shows... Yeah. Kind of is... If, if, it, if you're going along that theory that it maybe is one person or representative of one person, uh-huh. it... It's maybe the kind of resentment Brayden feels about having to grow up. Okay. And I mean, it's a really toxic world. It's a really ugly world. But growing up is ugly. Growing up is violent. Growing up sucks. Yeah, definitely. But so, okay. At this point in the movie, um, (laughs) Brayden and Ronnie have both kind of decided they're into Janet. 
Janet has gone on a date with Brayden, mm-hmm. but really, really gets into what is it? Um, Big Ronnie's ruby red lips and his creamy drinks and all that type oh, of stuff. Oh, his creamy drinks. See, I kind of disagree with you. You say that they both kind of like get into Janet, and I don't know if how much I agree with that. But go on. Well, I mean, I totally think. I mean, clearly. Brayden gets cuckolded by his dad. Which does very blatant. That's what I'm saying. It's so rude. It is so rude. But and again, <laughs> I hate keeping going into this, but I I think it's a metaphor. I I okay. think it's a metaphor for this man child getting rocked by adulthood. Adulthood. You know, I Okay. All right. I, I mean, think I guess his I fir- see it's that. his first relationship. So do you mean that, like, Ronnie himself presents adulthood and it's, like, oh, the abrasiveness of, like, what adulthood can, like, present to you when, like, you just have to grow up and interact with other people? Or do you just mean because he's, like, a, a grumpy dad who wants him to grow up? I think this movie is shown from Brayden's perspective. Okay. Which is why I think it's unreliable. And what I think Ronnie represents to Brayden as his son is everything bad about being an adult. Everything that's not, like, happy and saccharine and shiny and goofy about this movie. Everything just terrible and gross and viscous and horrible about this movie is all Ronnie. Do you know what I mean? Okay. And I think all right. I think that this the clash of this movie is this funny music, these bright colors, these fun textures, <laughs> yeah. these great shots mixed with a guy literally covered in used food grease, naked killing people in cartoonish ways. Well, that's the but thing. in brutal ways, well, too. That's the thing too is that I think the reason, the, the movie that keeps popping into my head that I keep thinking of that I like in the same way that I like this movie, because this is a movie that, you know, I'm not, I, it's not that I'm not a horror person. I love horror movies and I, I don't mind visceral things. It's just that this movie you would think is something that I wouldn't like. But I love this movie in the same way that I love Human Centipede 2. Like, I was just about to bring that up. <laughs> to where, like, you're not a gross-out movie person. I am, like, a gore-hound through and through. And you love horror, but you don't necessarily love violence for violence's sake. But there are certain movies There's that just, you just love. You just well, fall I in just, love with. I think what it is is the absurdism. I love absurdism. And I think... You wanted to talk, I don't know if you're, I don't know, I don't think you're at this point in the movie yet, but I know that you were bringing up that shot at the very end that's, like, very absurd. Well, no, there's a lot of absurdist moments throughout that kind of remind you that you're in a surreal place that's not, it's not supposed to be taken too seriously because when some of the graphics get so extreme, they literally become cartoonish. Yeah. Like, even the effect becomes cartoonish, and it's done on purpose. Very specific. Which I I think is brilliant, because then it takes me... It's exactly the type of reality check that I need as somebody who's, like, overly sensitive to things like that, where I'm like, oh, this gore is literally just, like, some cool effect 
they, instead of taking it to a very realistic route, went like a very funny route. And now I'm just like reminded that this is supposed to be gross and also <laughs> makes me laugh. Which totally, I think is like totally. amazing about it. When I, it's so weird to see such a funny movie that's such a brutal movie, mm-hmm. you know? That really, it, it's haunting. It sticks with you. Like, I don't... <laughs> That's I, so true. Oh I don't think... You, which I think is true of a lot of these two, like, mediums, I guess, too. Is I don't think you can talk about this movie without talking about John Waters or Adult Swim. Like, oh, I think you're right. both of those right. things are such a huge cultural <clears throat> part of what makes <clears throat> these movies these movies. That's a really good point. I also saw some really negative reviews of this movie online today, too, which I don't... I mean, I get not liking this movie, but I kept seeing, like, oh, wannabe John Waters, wannabe... What? But I think it's it's not a wannabe John Waters. I think it takes what it... What, I think there's some really reverential... some. I mean, it's so weird saying reverential to John Waters with, like, gross-out no, humor. But I don't I think, think that at I, all, I though. think that they took some from that... I think that they took a lot from kind of the, like, adult swim, post-humor, I mean, the type of Tim and Eric stuff that we love, you know? But, I mean, I might just be an overly earnest person, and, like, I, I'm, i like, very, I'm past that point of my teenage years and, like, that point in my early 20s where, like, I care about, like, how I look to other people or how, like, the things I like look to other people. So, to me, when someone says, want to be John Waters... What I'm hearing is I just got, this is a really weird explanation, but I just got this little thrill that like, imagine one day that like Elijah Wood hears this and he fucking loves John Waters. Oh yeah, imagine being compared to John Waters. And he, and he like took inspiration of that aesthetic and that type of absurdism and that type of like fun like, that really grotesque type of fun that you can take, which, like, all I can think... I'm just thinking of Divine, and I can't help but it. But, like, I'm... I... It's... The only way I can describe it is, like, even in something not being, like, 100% totally up your alley, when it's done... When it's executed... I don't want to say... I guess it is thoughtful. It is. to me, With a vision. Yeah. It's it's done thoughtfully and it's done with a vision. Like, I don't think Gracie... I think one of the things that makes me really, really like Gracie Strangler is that no matter how weird it may seem, I'm very aware that there is a bigger thing going on that it's going to take me more time to understand. Even now, at this point, where I've seen it, like... I don't know, all the way through, I've probably seen it three or four times, but I have seen it in parts with you even more times. We, we just, just watched like the last 25 it. minutes exactly. of it right before we started recording. Yeah, exactly, because of that cool scene at the end that yeah. you wanted to watch. When I, I think it's just a, it, it's a really beautiful movie mm-hmm. that takes place inside of a really crass context. Yeah, I think that there's a lot of really great family moments. There's a lot of great coming of age moments. Um, I mean, there's a there's a lot of. I mean, I, I don't want to give it too much weight, but there's a lot of really cool discussion of like morality and just what the human nature, that type of stuff. And yeah, I mean, yeah, it is a funny, gross out, post humor sort of horror movie, but it's also really great, you know. Well, I also realized just now that, like, there's, throughout the movie, this is, like, what good storytelling tells, that, like, 
while you are being told the current story that's being shown on the screen, you are also learning more about the characters. Mm -hmm. So you kind of, throughout the movie, you learn more about Ronnie and Brayden and, like, where his mom is and, like, where, like, why they're doing what they're doing. Like, their household, just, like, you learn more about their household in general. And I think that that's really, like... Now that you brought up his mom, I think it's a really good time to bring up Ricky Prickles. Because he is such an important part of the movie. You don't see him until the absolute last scene. Um, Ricky Prickles is supposedly the man who Brayden's mom left Ronnie for. I have so many questions. You keep hearing these horror stories about Ricky Prickles. Ricky Prickles did this. Ricky Prickles did that. Ricky Prickles made Brayden cry. And you just hear these, I mean, just torturous, just horrendous stories about Ricky Prickles. (laughs) But you never see him. And I'm not going to spoil it yet. I will spoil it. You will, but not right now. You see him towards the end of the movie, but Ricky Prickles is a constant force in Brayden's life. I feel like he's a constant force in Ronnie's life, too, but you just don't see it overtly. You know what I mean? Okay, yeah. So, at this point, I would think that... I don't... I can... Just by the way that all of them are acting, it seems that even though um, Brayden is already a little erratic, that Ronnie, at this point, is kind of losing his mind. I think he's, yeah, fully, fully insane. Like, he's in total... Like, berserker mode. Okay. You know? Like, um, which I think is one of the biggest kind of cruxes of the movie Mm -hmm. happens at this point where, I mean, obviously there's still the love triangle going on. Mm -hmm. I I think Janet might be leaning more towards Brayden at this point. I don't understand that at all. But... (laughs) But Ronnie um, commits another murder. I can't... You'll forgive me. I can't remember who he kills at this point. I think that's when he kills, like, a few people. And um, he he ends up murdering Big Paul, the owner of the car wash, which, honestly, I was really surprised by. I was, too. That part, to me, is still the most, like, sad part of the movie. It was such a bizarre scene, which... But I think... If, and I don't want to be like, oh, if you look at it through my perspective. No, I was but I just going to say that. But from, it, that's kind of what started me on this. Because I've seen of this movie conscience? a bunch of times. Yeah. Okay. Of, I, I think he's entering kind of the point of no return. Okay. And I, I Do think, you think that was symbolically him, like, deciding that, like, all bets are off? Yeah. The, when he murdered Big Paul was kind of when I started thinking that maybe these people don't exist. Oh, okay. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, well, even the universe itself, if you look at it, the only characters really there are the people that we're talking about. Yeah. I mean, like, So you have either Brayden or you have Big Ronnie mm-hmm. or both of them. Mm-hmm. Janet exists, I believe. Okay. The four other um, tour members exist. Okay. Is there ever an explanation why they're, like, on the tour more than once? Or no? No. Okay. It's just part of the movie. Just part of this universe. All right, I'll take it. (laughs) So, um, things are obviously getting heated. Um, the Greasy Strangler is out and about. Out and about. Um, 
This is when the movie, if it isn't weird enough, takes the weirdest turn it possibly could. With is is he a private investigator or a police detective? But Jody shows up. I think he's an investigator. Who's Jody is um obviously <laughs> a <laughs> I don't even know what to call him like a. a an evil twin, a good twin of Big Ronnie. You he's, think they're supposed to be the same? I thought it was just part of He's a homunculus. The... He's a... I don't know what he is. So we should preface that he is played by the same person. They're played by the same... It's played by Michael St. Michaels. Yeah, definitely. And he's the most bizarre character. He's, he's almost an exaggerated version of Big Ronnie to where Big Ronnie talks about disco. Like... Like, Jody's dressed disco. He has the big sunglasses. He has the suit. But he also has very, like, really morbid dreamlike qualities to where he has the long fingernails. Like, he has the... What is that about? I think it's about... I think it's a death dream thing. Oh, he has such creepy fingernails. But he, he starts investigating the Greasy Strangler's crimes. It's disgusting. He rubs grease on his big fake fingernails. He rubs grease on his disgusting, stupid sunglasses. At... At... Uh, I, again, I don't know how to keep describing this movie. At some point, Ronnie and Jody merge. Wait, what? Yeah, they become... As far as I understand it, Ronnie and Jody sort of... Because, because Jody, I think he's an obviously fake character. It's, I, See, I might have misunderstood it that he might have been putting on a costume. That's what you think, right? I don't know what I think now. So what I thought was, okay, the on first viewing, I thought it was a split personality. And That's then, what I think. I think Jody on, is a split personality of Ronnie. And then on second viewing, I thought it was definitely an investigator, but that it was just like part of the absurdism that it was played by the same character. And now, now I don't know what to think. Now I think it's like an alter ego. So, it's such a hard thing, because this is where the movie, if it hasn't gotten insane enough, if it isn't hard to talk about already, it becomes almost indescribable at this point, right? I mean, I think it's been indescribable. Yeah, this is where we, this is where we diverge. So, the Jody character dissolves, somehow, um... You cut to Big Ronnie laying underneath Brayden's bed with um, Janet in it. This was the, so weird. They're having sex. They're talking about their future. They're just being a couple. Um, Ronnie comes out at <laughs> some point and confronts them. It's where you get our favorite line of the movie. The... um. He, lo he loves her, Dad. He loves Janet. And she is she is a hootie tootie disco cutie. 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 Yep, so that happened. Um, so this they, is why we need video. We did the dance and everything. We really did do the dance. Um, they confront each other. 
there, there's a big fight. You can see it for yourself. I'm yeah. not going to describe the whole thing. Um, the movie ends... Well, the beginning of the end, I guess. The beginning of the end. Brayden decides he can be the Greasy Strangler too, which really, really makes me think that he and his dad are the same person. He dons the Greasy Strangler persona. Yeah. He covers himself in grease. And sort of out of nowhere, it's not really That's described. That's I mean. kind of The movie spins out of control. Yeah, he meets his dad at this this movie theater where Janet's watching a movie. They're both the greasy strangler. They strangle Janet. Her eyes. That's when I know. Her eyes become these blatantly kind of post-humor computer generated eyeballs. They pop out of her head. And (laughs) this is where Brayden and Big Ronnie escape to the woods. Am I correct? I think so. But this is kind of also where I get lost. Because I they're also at the beach at one point. Like, they go to the beach, and then they're also, like, a few minutes later, they get captured by those people in the woods. They See, so what... I, I think this is just a surreal dream state. Mm-hmm. But I also, in kind of how I read the movie, I think this is where Brayden becomes the Strangler. Or recognizes that he has been the strangler the whole time. What it is if, his marriage with himself. I, <gasps> what if this movie is just Brayden and Brayden is the only, like, not the only character, but Brayden is him and Ronnie, like you're saying, but it's not Ronnie, it's Brayden. And that Ronnie is the part of him that is the greasy strangler, and then the whole movie is him struggling with that. And then Brayden finally comes to terms with the fact that he is Ronnie, so he becomes the Greasy Strangler. And that the reason that their scene in the very end is so similar is because they're the same person. That's literally what I've been saying the whole time, doggy. but you just said it way more succinctly and way more better worded than I, way I, more better worded than <laughs> I could have ever done. I, so thank you, wife of mine. Yeah, I love you, but that's not, no. That's I exactly what I think the movie is about. I appreciate that I understand it because what I actually, I was disagreeing with you originally because I thought you meant that all of them were the same character and that the, the primary reason I was disagreeing was that I thought you, for you, the primary identity was Ronnie. But I no. think, I think the primary identity is Brayden. I think, I think this movie primarily takes place in Brayden's head. Okay. All right. I mean, I think Brayden is murdering people. I think Brayden is in a relationship with Janet. Okay, and that actually... I just think it might be different personas of Brayden that he's fighting with himself. But this actually makes a lot more sense for me because I never could make sense of the oinker death or why he was even brought into it because I thought it was very, like, malicious that Ronnie as a character would go after Brayden's friend like that. But now, if Brayden's alter ego is Ronnie that is like the mean malicious part of him that like does what he can't do Mm -hmm. or he doesn't want to do it would make perfect sense that he would go after somebody who is Brayden's friend totally okay that is actually helping me a lot part of his childhood it's 
I feel like Oinker might represent what holds him back as kind of an immature person. Okay. Or at least what Brayden sees is that, you know? Okay. That's really, that's super insightful. So, <laughs> not to get too off topic, because the end of this movie is already super hard oh to keep track of. Oh my goodness, it's so, so crazy. So, Brayden and Ronnie, or Brawny, or Brony, or whatever, the, the father and son duo who are now the dual Greasy Strangler have <laughs> killed their lover, Janet, and are running wild through the countryside. Um... In my mind, like, when I remembered this movie, even though I'd seen it a bunch of times, they were captured by actual police or military people. That's what I remember. I they're just captured police. by... Yeah, they're just a bunch of bizarro weirdos with no pants just out in the middle of nowhere <laughs> tying them to posts. And do you want to describe the end? Because I feel like you're so awestruck with it. Just It was, okay, so again, one of the redeeming things for me is when you can replace gore with something that's like fantastic and humorous and also very surreal. So not to be the like spoiler of all spoilers, but this movie ends with Ronnie and Brayden tied to trees being killed like execution style by these, okay, well, okay. Oh it's my not, god, we no, forgot to talk about Ricky Prickles. But it's We not, forgot to talk about Ricky them killing Ricky Prickles. They killed Ricky Prickles? Yes! Okay, so I am so sorry, everybody. Let's take ten steps back. They Wait. They, they killed Janet. I can't tell my... Okay. Okay, they killed Janet. You're, Janet fucking Janet's dead. Whatever. <laughs> they escaped to the wilderness to kill Ricky Prickles. Okay. Remember, they're chasing Ricky Prickles through the wilderness. Oh, and they cut his ears off. That and was barbecue. Ricky Prickles? Yeah, they barbecue Ricky Prickles' eyes. And then those people see them murder Ricky Prickles. Then tie them to the post and execute them. Ah. Continue, Dana. Ah. Okay. So at this point... No, 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 no. This is... This is where... Oh my god. It's not that the, it's not that the movie loses me here. It's that I get very, it loses me not my my preference for it cuz I like this movie a lot, but my understanding of it does kind of go out the window here because these things get tied to a tree and shot at repeatedly. You mean the greasy stranglers they, these things? They are not the greasy stranglers. Here's the reason I say that. While those two caricatures are getting shot at. Oh my god, you're right. The real Ronnie and Brayden are behind a tree. Covered in grease. So as what, I, what I don't understand is when they... What? What? How are there two of them? Who are the duplicates? Did the duplicates kill Ricky Prickles? Or or what? 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 So, what? I could, so I could pretend I could have some metaphor for the end of this, but this gets too heady for me. So basically what the end of this movie is, is a duplicate version of Ronnie and Brayden are tied to a post. <laughs> they get shot by all of these pantsless, weird, lumberjack, emaciated dudes. Their heads pop. Tell them about it. Well, that's not actually what it looks like. What it looks like is if you're at a birthday party and you get those little poppers from the dollar store and you go, and it comes out and there's confetti everywhere. That's what happened. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so 
the human Brayden and Ronnie are tied to this. I think, again, it's some metaphor. I which, don't know. Again, I think it's just weird. I mean, I definitely have my ideas on it, but again, I don't want to sound like a clown shoe, so I'm not going to go into <laughs> it. Um, the, um, the... The fully um, greasy stranglered versions of themselves uh-huh. are watching this. I, I think it's some metaphor about them kind of surrendering their humanity. Then it does one of those kind of not like not jump scare endings, but kind of hey gotcha endings. Yeah, with with Brayden and Ronnie poking directly at the camera with spears. Because I think oh, they've kind of given yeah. fully, given up on their humanity fully. Okay, that's true. Okay, now I totally understand that scene. Because even the ear pulling scene with Ricky Prickles, I didn't fully. I was like, what? But then I realized, like, oh, this is them, kind of on their journey of like fully, like not dissociating, but like kind of separating fully from society. Yeah, so I think yeah, fully surrendering their humanity Man, to their animalistic urges. Now I'm seeing a lot more like social statement in this than I intended, and it's crazy. <laughs> you want to watch it again when we're done recording? Yeah, I know we're going to anyway, <laughs> so whatever. So I, you know, I don't want to ignore it because I feel like it makes us look like bad parents. I feel like you're probably going to be able to hear Gus barking in the background of this. I would just like to put it out there that he's had multiple treats and he's gone to the dog park for like a long time today and he goes to the dog park every day and I have no explanation for why he's barking other than the fact that he's being a teenage little brat. Oh my god, <laughs> I didn't tell you, a dog peed on my leg at the dog park today. <laughs> what? Some cool, what? big ass bruiser pit bulls. She was so cute, Wait, Anna. Wait, she came up to you and like lifted her leg and peed on you? Yeah, she peed oh on my, my leg. <laughs> it was terrible. It was terrible. But it was also really cute. I just, like, I host myself off. But the guy whose dog it was didn't say anything, because I probably wouldn't either, because it was super embarrassing. Oh, he didn't say anything to you? We were across the park. It was, it was, Gus was there. Gus is our dog. She was, peed on you? So it was Gus <laughs> and this one other dog. How did you not tell me this? It's embarrassing. A dog feed on me. <laughs> You're telling literally like the whole internet right now. Eh. Eh. Alright, so was there, did she, did she greet you first or did she just pee on you? Yeah, 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 yeah. Gus was sitting right next to me. Okay. And because they were the only two dogs in the dog park, uh, they were kind of, uh, okay. hey, this is mine, this is mine, this is mine. <laughs> <laughs> she, she, she. Mark, she walked up to me in broad daylight and peed on me. I mean, she was peeing. She she was peeing on the chair, but she also peed on me. I can't do this, man. I love the greasy strangler. It's such a good. It's such a good movie yeah i hate getting peed on i love the greasy strangler what would you rather have on your like grease or pee grease as long as i'm not getting strangled i mean um do you have do you have any final thoughts on the movie goodness um kudos to the cast i really appreciate it love the color schemes and all of the shots love the absurdity throughout um couldn't honestly name for you right now a better balance of like yucky and amazing 
I'm still just really, really tripping about what the grease is made of. Oh my god, yes! It's so gross! I mean, like, not, not as a prop, but I mean, in that movie... I, I, I want to know what the grease is. I believe is. it's used food-grade grease. No, but used food-grade grease is way grosser than that. Oh, that's terrifying. Yeah. It's, like, way dirtier looking than that. Well, that's I mean, why... It, on, the thing is, is the closest thing I can call it to in real life is, like, creamed corn. <laughs> but with, like, a more, like, rubbery, disgusting texture that, like, actually sticks to you when you, like, rub it all over your body. Yep. Rubbery, disgusting cream corn. That's been the greasy strangler. Um, Rub it all over your body. <laughs> I love this movie so much. I really would recommend it to anybody. Um, just give it a try. It might not be for you. It's definitely polarizing. I definitely say give it a shot, though. It's It's a really... It's... A lot of you can. I feel like a lot of love went into it. Is that weird to say? Yeah, I mean, it's a very, it's a very specific vision. It's somebody's story. It happens to resonate with me like a motherfucker. <laughs> I love it so much. Well, anyway, um, I think it's a good point to end. Um, yeah. Do you have, Do you have anything coming up that you want to talk about? Um, I don't think so. I know that um, you have Second Saturday coming up. Oh yeah, Saturday. I mean, um. I don't know if anybody's going to hear this by then, or maybe one or twos of listeners might hear this, but, um... um Sacramento, we're yeah, calling you... It's, um... What? June, Second right? Saturday, yeah. yeah it's, 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 June. Uh, <laughs> it's um, going to be June 9th at uh, Floppies on J Street in Sacramento, if you want to come hang out. Um, I do art under the name Cat Guts, and, um, yeah, I'm going to be slinging some paintings. It's where I get all my, um, prints made. It's a really, really wonderful shop, so come hang out. Um, also, June 16th and 17th, I'm going to be doing Sinister Creature Con in Sacramento. Mm-hmm. Um, that's my favorite event of the year in yeah. Sacramento. I'm sure we'll do an episode about it. Um, it's the reason I started doing art. It kind of really, really got me back into... Horror movies, it's probably one of the big catalysts why we do this podcast. Definitely. So, um, yeah, come hang out with us and get weird. Yeah, that's that's going to be our fun month, and I'm really excited about it. Hey, and remember all of you upstanding citizens, in a world full of dangers and dips and dives and Dodges. all kinds of chaos, turkeys get cooked. Don't be a turkey.